In this episode of the Physical Education Podcast, I'm going to share with you literally, and I mean the word literally, literally the most important thing you need to understand if you're dealing with chronic pain or any kind of chronic health issue. So check it out. So, as I said, this is this is the most important thing you need to understand. Healing only occurs when this is taking place. So we're going to get into that. Um, before we get into that, I've been haven't done a video in about three months. Been very busy, and I got married. That's my wedding ring. If you're watching, uh, I bought a house. It's my new surroundings. So I've been very busy. So it's been a good time, um, in spite of everything else going on. And more relevant to you is that I'm going to be I'm working towards monetizing my content. Um, just it's it's sort of it's just the way things are going with censorship with being deplatformed. I mean, I haven't experienced any threat of that, but people I follow, people I respect, have, and I just don't want my views, which are not popular views, to to cause cost me my income and my reach to people. So I'm gradually working towards putting this content behind a paywall. There, there'll always be some sort of free content anyway, and it's, it's not going to be exorbitant, but there is no hard date on that. Um, it could be a couple of months, it could be six months, but I'll, I'll let you know in good time. So listen to these while you can. This is being recorded now in March of 2021. So if you're listening to this behind a paywall, then hey, it worked out for me. Um, but yeah. Um, interestingly enough, with regards to putting something behind a paywall, is that it also places a value on the content. I know that there's a, there's just too much, or there's so much content online, and it can be overwhelming, and why do you listen to this versus that, and there are all sorts of things that will influence why you listen to one thing over another, and what, um, prevents you from being overwhelmed with the amount of information. If you've got too much too much information, you don't tend to act on it. So putting this content behind a small paywall for each episode, so you can pick and choose, that's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. You'll pay for each individual episode. It'll be a small fee, and so you can listen to what, whatever you want, and it's not going to break the bank, and it's going to help support the work I do, and it's going to mean that uh, as as uh, you know, the way things are going, we are all uh, um, bio terrorists, and soon enough, I will be a, I might be a social pariah and a, and a bio terrorist who is ostracized from society. That seems extreme, and hopefully that is extreme, but uh, I wouldn't rule it out. And so I'm preparing myself for that. Um, I'm starting to grow food or planning to grow food and doing all of these sorts of things. That mean that when or if these things work out and if social engineers have their way, I will be able to continue living and earning a living and supporting my family and, and so on. So yeah, bit of a tangent, but when, when you pay for something, you tend to value it more. And so I think that's actually going to work out better for you because rather than just this being another podcast that you put on in the background and you kind of maybe absorb some of it, you're going to say, well, I'm paying, you know, it might be a dollar, it might be a euro for this, 
and I'm going to make a point of absorbing it, taking notes, applying it, and you're going to get better outcomes for a small fee that you would waste on other things anyway. And it won't be a waste because it's great content. So there you go, that's a quick little update just to, yeah, to give you an update. So let's get into it. This is a big topic. Um, it's, there's a lot to this that I won't get into. Um, there are a lot of tangential things and I know I'm prone to going off on tangents, so I will keep this as short as I can, and I will give you the resources you need to further deepen your knowledge. So, like I said, uh, so before we say that, you're in pain, presumably. You're dealing with some sort of pain, or you're treating people in pain, uh, or you've got some sort of persistent health issue, and it just doesn't really get better, and you're... I'm presuming committed to your health, you're making efforts, you know, you're not sitting on the couch all day eating bad foods, you are, you know, you're making the effort. You know, I, I, I was there myself years ago, I decided, okay, I need to make the effort for my health. And you get better to a point, but then there's, there's just like, um, you hit a plateau or however you want to think about it, but you get to a point where your progress is not proportionate to the amount of effort you're putting in. So you're eating well, you're sleeping well, or you know, you're sleeping as well as you can, or eating as well as you can, and doing doing as much as you can, but you're just not getting better. And then you kind of look at other people and you, and you think, how do they get away with this? How does that person how does that person do all these things and they don't feel pain? They don't feel awful, they don't feel like they've got all these these issues that you're carrying. And what we need to understand is that healing occurs automatically. We understand this on, on some level. If you get a paper cut, if you get any kind of, like a mild injury, things will heal on their own. Obviously, there's a point at which you might need an intervention. You, know, you might need stitches, you might need surgery or whatever that is. But even, even with that, even if you need stitches, even if you need surgery, a major component of that is your body self-regulating. So your body recognizing the issue, uh, creating an immune response or whatever, a healing response, and that happens automatically. Like that's 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 just you know the regular um, state of affairs. That's what your body does. And I'm not sure that we really understand how how it does that, or you know the, the real mechanics of that. But there are certain things that we understand. That's what we're going to cover today. So your body knows what it needs to do. It knows how to heal. It knows when to heal. It it, it, it notices when that paper cut happens and things, you know, that, that will start to patch over. So there's this self-healing directive in the body and it's always happening. And even outside of like an overt injury, like a paper cut or something more significant, there's always this constant cycling of turnover of your cells, your your bones, like the bones you have now are not the bones that you were born with. Obviously they, they are, but like it's been turned over and, and it's new materials and it's arguably a different bone from the bone that you had um, when, you, when you were first born. And not just because it's become bigger and fully grown, but because there's just that turnover. And I think a lot of this people understand to some extent, you know, even abstractly, like you've heard the idea that 
you know, your skin is not the same skin you had however many years ago. And things turn over at different rates. But, long story short, we have, we have the self-healing function. And it's just constantly going on. And it's, there's always some degree of effort in that direction. So we understand that there's always some degree of that, some degree of self-healing, some degree of fixing of turnover uh, to rebuild. The key is um, making sure that that function is as good as it can possibly be. So what happens with chronic pain, with any kind of chronic health issue, um, particularly ones that appear over time and that worsen over time, is that self-healing mechanism just becomes impaired. So you, you can kind of think of it as a sort of wear and tear, but basically your body uh, loses that ability to, um, to heal. And again, that's sort of understood, you know, broadly speaking, we understand that, but it tends to be just dismissed as well, you know, that's just aging. You know, you're just getting older, you're wearing down over time. And we have this sort of mechanistic um, view of the body. Like it's like it's a car and you drive it so many times that eventually things break down and it's just it's just the way it is. And that's um, that doesn't really give you much power. It doesn't give you much influence because um, that's all sort of I mean, it's it's not good enough even in old age to, to just dismiss it as that. But if someone's 80 and and they're getting old and things are a bit creaky and a bit sore. Yeah, I guess you can say, well, you know, it's just old age. What are you going to do about it? And it's not that big of a deal if the 80 year old person doesn't make this ma a major effort to improve their health, you know, as long as they're happy with their life. But if you're 20 uh, or whatever, you know, that's somewhat subjective. It's down to you. But if you're whatever your age, much younger and you're diagnosed with something like arthritis, so I was I was about 23 and I my knee just spontaneously tripled in size one day it was a Wednesday and I couldn't I couldn't bend my knee it was well I was kind of stuck in this bent position I couldn't straighten it anyway long story short go to the doctor and uh, amongst this I'd been dealing with you know probably at that point since I was nine some degree of musculoskeletal issue and then other health issues so that was sort of my life, but that was a pretty acute, significant episode of my knee, just tripling in size, full of fluid, go to the hospital, <clears throat> and they drain this yellow fluid out of the knee. And, you know, I'm wondering, well, well what is this? Why has this happened? And they say, well, you've got arthritis, and that's that, and here's a prescription for medication and that's just the way it is you know and that's like I, I don't want to be cynical but that's kind of that's what you get from modern medicine from for chronic health issues it's certainly what I got and um you know I was work. this is in Ireland uh, you know you have access to healthcare. it's not like I had to pay tons of money for this to happen it just I show up and it's paid for by I don't know taxes whatever so it, it, it wasn't a matter of I wasn't willing to pay to find out what the issue was it was and I'm sure obviously if I wanted to pay someone they could have given me a more elaborate answer and maybe more solutions but 
The point is, is that this is considered acceptable. Well, you're 23-ish, spontaneous arthritis, let's just strain your knee, here's a prescription. And all I can assume from that is that, well, I guess I'm on that prescription forever. You know, because they have no reason to believe that anything can be done other than managing the issue. Um, so, yeah, so that's that. And then this kind of idea of, well, you know, you just have wear and tear and, and things just break down over time and that's that and you can't do anything about it because you are essentially a robot. Um, it's not very empowering. And the good news is that it's not that simple. Um, and that's good news that it's more complicated because you have more options. You can actually do a lot to regulate your body's ability to heal. So at that moment in time for me, I had an impaired ability to heal. That's, that's a, a very umbrella way of looking at it. You can get into specifics, um, but my body was not healing properly. It wasn't functioning properly. And so let's look at solving how my body functions rather than adding these uh, external things be it a drug or be it a supplement, be it a natural supplement. That's the issue, I'll get into it a bit later, but how the whole alternative health world doesn't tend to think in the right way, it just thinks in the same way as the pharmaceutical world, but it gives you the, in air quotes, uh, healthy alternative. So it's, it's not much better in a lot of ways. So we understand that there is the self-healing mechanism that's constantly going on. And we need to think about this as very much in, in fundamentals. What, are, what is the most, um, what is the tiniest unit of this that I can look at and that I can address and that will ripple out? So like I said, a lot of, um, a lot of treatments are, are focused on the surface, on the symptom, on what's, you know, oh, you've got pain there, let's give you a painkiller. Bit of swelling there, let's just reduce the swelling or let's just drain the swelling. Let's not ask why the swelling is there. Let's just drain that out or force it out or whatever. I always want to look at what is the, the fundamental process that we can influence at this very root level that will ripple out. That's why I go on and on and on and on about breathing, because breathing is that most vital function. And if you stop breathing, you can forget about everything else because you'll die and you'll die quicker than you will die from starvation or dehydration or sleep deprivation. Breathing is that most vital, important human function. So it's very important that we get that right because we can address a lot of other peripheral things that are important, but aren't quite as important. And so the point there would be like, you could get the perfect diet, you get perfect sleep routine, uh, perfect hydration, etc. But if you're breathing and you're hyperventilating like an idiot, mouth breathing and everything constantly, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're setting yourself up for failure. Obviously those other things being taken care of and being optimized is always going to be good, but there are hierarchies of importance and there are things that have greater influence on your body's health. So back to this idea of healing and the kind of most fundamental 
uh, you know, smallest part of the body that we can focus on and its function and optimizing its function are the cells. So our body is made up of trillions of cells. And so simply what we want to do is say, okay, the body's unhealthy or there is some degree of lack of health in the body, be it a, a swollen knee or be it a, a low back that's sore. So let's make sure that the cells are working as well as possible. They have everything they need and they can function properly. If we take care of that, everything ripples out. So it's sort of like if you build a house, you make sure that the bricks are good bricks. <laughs> the bricks worked as, as they should because you could build a house and you could paint the walls and you could put the um, you know plumbing electricity in it but the bricks might be made of sand or they might be weak and the whole thing will crumble and so all of that other stuff is um, you know is lost and it's a waste of time where it, it doesn't matter because you don't have that foundation so the foundation of health of a healthy body are cells that function properly so that's what we're going to look at so this comes down to energy balance this is the next thing to understand is that in order for your cells to work to do their job they need energy and in order for you to do anything you need energy so energy the, the conversation around energy and we tend to think of calories but and they do go hand in hand but we tend to think of that largely in the context of weight loss and it's far more than that everything everything you do requires energy you're sitting here you're standing you're lying down you're listening to this you're using energy to perceive what i'm saying to watch watch this if you're watching it and i'm explaining this to you i'm talking i'm moving my hands i'm looking at the camera i'm thinking about what i'm going to say and that requires energy we also tend to think of energy only in, in terms of you know physical exertion I'm lifting weights or i'm running and obviously those use energy as well and they often use more energy but everything requires energy so if you were to lie down in bed do absolutely nothing your food would be poured down your mouth you'd be you'd be fed for the day and you wouldn't expend any energy you know in the sense of you wouldn't get up and do anything else that, that you would think would need energy you're still using energy because you're still staying alive and I it's funny because this this seems really obvious and I don't know if when you're hearing this you're like well obviously but a lot of people don't understand this and it, it needs to be said um, that everything requires energy because it's something I didn't understand initially and once I did uh, things drastically changed for my for my recovery so long story short everything requires energy so that's the first thing we need to understand. Where do we get energy? Well, we get energy from our foods and from you know, hydration, from drinks, from water, from juice, whatever. So that's, there are two components. You put, we, we can think of uh, food as being fuel that goes into the body, but then it needs to be converted into energy. So it's not that food is energy, it's that food and, and water and uh, hydration 
is a fuel goes into the body and then it's converted into energy. So there's two major parts to that. So the first part is the fuel that goes in. That needs to be good quality fuel. And that's the bit that we, we tend to understand and that, that's probably what you're doing. So you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm eating well, but I'm not getting better. So the fuel that's going in is good fuel. But like I said, the fuel needs to be converted into energy then. So we need the machinery to convert that into energy. And if that's not working well, you could be eating all the right foods, but it's not going to be converted into energy efficiently. And that's where I think a lot of people fall short because they don't really understand that. And also a lot of what is considered healthy is actually not healthy. And it actually impairs your body, to, your body's ability to, to use energy and to function properly. Um, so the first step, like I said, is the fuel, is the food. Is, it's what you consume. I won't get into that too much because I've covered that in other videos. So the foods we're eating, they need to be appropriate for, for us to convert into energy. So some of that is going to be obvious. Chocolate cake is not going to be as good as you know, fruit or whatever because it's got all sorts of other things that that um, aren't good for us and we understand that and like I said I'll go into more detail in another episode. Now just to further drive home this point um, because I think it does need to be driven home because there's this whole movement of it's all about calories you just need to worry about calories if you have the right amount of calories it, it's going to work out and that sort of kind of works for body composition um, and I think it, it's only going to work for a while because if you're eating really badly but the calories are just right eventually you will have issues because you'll have knock-on effects from the unhealthy foods that impair your ability to uh, produce energy so even though the calories are just right there are other things in foods more than calories you know, foods are more than calories that will impair that so it bears saying and, and the analogy i use is that you know a car for example if you put the right type of fuel into the car it will work and you can have a brand new perfect car um but if you put the wrong type of fuel in it's not going to work and it might even damage it so you, you could have an electric car you could have a petrol diesel um you could have an alcohol car from back in the day apparently that was a thing but point is, you know, you've got different types of machinery and you've got the appropriate fuel for that vehicle. And um, diesel would have a lot of calories in it, um, but it's not going to do much good to your body. And similarly, alcohol has a lot of calories in it, but it's not that good for you. And so you can put it in your body and it will provide some amount of energy because there are calories there and you know, there, there are things that you can digest, but it's also going to create damage. So the equal amount of calories from alcohol versus uh, fruit juice are going to have different effects. Now, like I said, everything has a cost. And I think um, a lot of people underestimate the cost of living, the cost of running your body. You'll often hear there's a book about um, eating an 800 calorie diet and how this is amazing for reversing diabetes. 
And that's crazy. That's, I'm pretty sure that's less than you would have gotten in a Nazi uh, concentration camp. They, they, you'd be better fed there. Obviously, other things would be bad, but it's, it's a ridiculous, like it's an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculously low amount of calories um, to be getting, but that's considered normal. Uh, not normal, it's considered, you know, towards the more extreme side of things, but you know, this is a popular book, series of books. I think uh, Dr. Michael Mosley uh, wrote these books and um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's insane. There is a, um, a study, the Minnesota starvation experiment, where they basically created food um, deprivation in people. And I think they cut their calories down to about 1700, which might seem high to you, you know, certainly in contrast to 800. And I can link to that study and the, the specifics aren't that important. But the point is that they, they cut down um, the amount of calories these people were consuming. They had significant uh, health uh, issues as a result. And it took also a while for them to recover and to heal and to get back to um, fully functioning. So everything, like I said, you're sitting there, you're standing there, you're listening and your body is using energy for your brain, for your lungs, for your heart, for everything else, for all these other little things that you, do, you probably don't think about. Um, the body is going on and on. So the way you can think about this is if if you have a budget, um, so say it costs, we're going to use money. We're going to use euros because I'm in Ireland. And you have, you have a home, uh, you have your mortgage, you have your electricity bills, and you have your heating bills. And altogether that costs a thousand euro. So this, you're living, it's quite cheap, this isn't happening in Ireland, but you're, it costs a thousand euro for you to pay off your mortgage, uh, heat your house, and um, have power in your house. But you want a bit more than that, you know, you want to eat some food, you want to pay for food, you want to get your Netflix subscription, you want to pay for your internet. These are additional costs. But if you're only earning a thousand euro per month, something is uh, has to be dropped something has to be gotten rid of and that's a very simple way to look at it is that you have certain functions certain things that are more important you know you know paying the mortgage having a roof over your head having warmth having food that's going to be more important than your netflix subscription than your internet service and so on um, and the same thing not the exact same thing happens in the body uh, but you have, you have a cost to running your brain, to running your lungs, your heart, your kidneys, your liver, and everything else. And then more superficial things like taking care of that back pain you've been dealing with for years, taking care of that, that bad knee you have. Um, so if you only have, so if it costs, again, a thousand euro to take care of the brain, the heart, the lungs, the liver, and you only put in a thousand euro, these other peripheral things are not going to be taken care of. Now, some things it's not, you know, it's not, your body's adaptable, so it's not that, you know, things will just be shut off, you know, well, you don't have enough energy for the kidneys, well, kidneys are out. That doesn't happen. Your body, um, it modulates the, the, you know, 
the function of, of these various organs. So it's not that while there are priorities, you know, the, the brain, the heart, the lungs, the liver are going to be extremely important. <clears throat> it's not that it's just going to shut, shut those off. There, there is that hierarchy of things that are more important, but it's just going to decrease the function. So if there isn't enough energy, um, just things aren't going to work at 100%. So you might be working at 80%, you might be working at 90%, you might be working at 50%. Um, and there are certain things that will not be maintained. So uh, what you'll see in times of um, extreme stress and starvation, uh, digestive function and reproductive function will um, essentially stop working because they are least important for survival. So your body's always working on this um, survival um, based function. It's always making decisions based on what is best for your survival. And I've talked about this a lot, uh, particularly on episodes discussing stress. So there's always this directive of what is most vital for my survival right now. That's why I talk about breathing. It's because it's that important for your immediate survival and reducing stress by making sure that your breathing is working as well as possible. So you have in times of extreme stress and starvation over time, digestion, not that important because you're not eating um, and reproduction, not that important because you're not going to be reproducing because reproducing is energy intensive. If you can barely keep yourself alive, you're not going to want to um, you know, create another life and you're probably not going to be able to create another life. So those functions will uh, diminish and will shrink away and, and be, uh, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if they're entirely eliminated, but, uh, or they can be regenerated. Well, point is we won't get into that because there are specifics there that I'm not too certain about. And the main point is, and what's relevant to you, is that there are hierarchies in the body in terms of organ function, in terms of things that need to be maintained as well as possible and as much as possible. And if there isn't the budget to deal with that, then things are going to be, you know, things are going to be cut or turned down or reduced so that they're, they're still working. They're still there, but they're not working as well as they could be. And that creates ripple effects. So this is a, it's sort of an endless cycle of you don't have enough energy anyway to be working perfectly, which means that, you know, your liver is not doing its job, which means toxins aren't being filtered. So they're being recirculated into the blood and that's creating an immune response. And it's just endless and goes on and on and on. This is why this is such a, an important thing to understand because this lack of energy and this inability of cells to receive energy so that they can do their jobs is arguably, I think you make a very compelling argument is what underpins 99% of, you know, don't quote me on that number, but I mean the vast majority of chronic health issues and health issues that, that are lifestyle health issues. So things that aren't the result of an overt, you know, traumatic accident, things that just kind of develop over time, dementia, Alzheimer's, heart disease, uh, diabetes, high cholesterol and so on. It's, it's basically that your body has an impaired ability to to function 
that's it. You're, you're not providing sufficient energy uh, and or it'll be one of the two, usually both. You're not providing sufficient energy or appropriate energy and your body, because of the stress it's experienced, has um, an inability to properly convert that fuel into, into energy. So I said energy before, you're not getting enough fuel and that's not being efficiently converted into energy. So you've got issues uh, at two ends of that. And what happens is, this is the point I would make, is that, and why we really need to focus on this, is that that's the fundamental issue and it occurs on some level in your body and it ripples out. So you have that fundamental issue and then you have your individual circumstances, your past history, uh, the environment that you live in, and that dysfunction in your body, that basic dysfunction in your body, that inability to properly heal and recover, just ripples out over time. So maybe you have a history of uh, trauma or uh, abuse in your family, so that develops into depression, anxiety, um, more of a mental health issue, or you have issues around body image and food and other traumas and that ripples out into obesity um, and that's where it gets complicated but that's where you you are best situated to understand this is understanding your story understanding who you are what you've been through and how that has shaped your life because you start with this fundamental thing of body's just not healing properly. It's just not getting what it needs or it's not able to use what it has to recover, to deal with what life is throwing at it. So you start with that, fun, that basic problem and it ripples out. Uh, and what you end up with is one person has uh, depression, one person has heart disease, one person has obesity, one person has joint pain, um, but it's all the, the same basic issue. and medicine and uh, most of medicine you know the standard approach and alternative health is largely focused on that end point so like i said you have this central starting point of just a basic dysfunction in the body and they're focused on the, where it ripples out so there there's you know on the far on one side to the far ends of that you have someone with obesity and on the other end you might have someone who's got um, anorexia and they've got mostly mental health issues and you kind of think of them as these being these polar opposite issues that need to be treated in polar opposite ways but they begin or they're underpinned by one you know fundamental issue which is a, a body that has the inability to um it either has insufficient fuel and then the inability to use that fuel to correct things um, and that's the fundamental issue that we need to address and that we need to understand because you can do this stuff all day you can treat these um, these issues at their end point on that surface level you say well you're obese well we're going to cut down your calories but the thing is that even if you like the, the reason you get to that point of obesity is because the body is getting energy that it's not able to use it as fuel, so it's storing it. And so cutting that down isn't correcting that. It's simply 
sort of depriving. So that you have now a body that can't use fuel properly and now it's getting even less fuel. And, you know, in fairness, you will likely get uh, the result of some degree of weight loss, but it's not going to be weight loss in a healthy manner. It's going to be weight loss sort of more so uh, as a result of starvation rather than a body uh, working healthily and using what it needs and burning off what it doesn't need because it feels safe. And that's a vastly different uh, <laughs> course of treatment and a vastly different way of thinking about things. Um, and again, Jay Feldman um, does a great job of explaining the, the flaws with the calories in versus calories out idea, which sort of underpins a lot of how we view um, weight issues. We say, you know, you see someone who's overweight and you think, well, just eat less, move more, eat less, move more. And like, there's a degree of truth to it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to claim there isn't, but it's so much more complex than that. And it's, you know, think of it, thinking of it in that way is this very surface level way of thinking about it. And there are far deeper things that need to be addressed. And those far deeper things happen to be the same things that we have to deal with, with all of these other health issues. So if you're in chronic pain, if you've got um, auto autoimmune issues, mental health issues, we need to address things at this deeper level. The next kind of analogy that I want to use is, so you have, you have a certain amount of energy and it's not enough. So what does your body do? It's going to start to um, convert fat stores and, and its own tissues in order to get energy. So that's, that's, it's a great thing about the body, but it's sort of a double-edged sword because if you, if you take a car, for example, if it runs out of fuel, it's just going to stop. It's not going to continue to work unless you put more fuel in it. But the human body, um, I mean, technically that will happen. You'll die, you know, you can die of starvation. Um, but that's gonna take a much longer time. And long before that happens, your body will go into this state of, of essentially eating itself, cannibalizing itself, which maybe it's a poor choice of words because that makes it sound far more sinister than it is. But basically your body, doesn't have this off switch, so to speak. It doesn't, it, it's constantly working. Like I said, it's constantly going and it's constantly working and, and dealing with whatever it has to deal with. So you don't have to, you don't have this option of switching things off. Like I said, things are turned down or you get a decreased function, decreased um, output from certain organs and, and over time, certain things like digestion, reproduction will be lost or you know sort of switched off but there isn't this kind of on and off switch kind of thing where you can be like okay we've maxed out on the energy let's just turn off the lights in all of these parts of the body um what will happen because your body is constantly is uh, constantly focused on survival and that's that sort of prime directive is we need to ensure survival at all costs and um, what will happen then is well you've run out of energy well let's just convert you know fat stores uh, stored uh, energy in the muscles glycogen in the muscles protein let's convert stored energy in the body 
to use as, as energy. And that's, that's brilliant. That's a, a great adaptive um, capacity that the body has. And, you know, that, that's, that's sort of fine on the surface. The issue is when this happens chronically, um, what you have is you have this persistently elevated level of stress hormone. So when the body runs out of the stored energy of, of its, um, you, you can think of your liver as, as like a battery pack and it has glycogen in it and that, that's your um, your energy pack and once that runs out your body will release um, stress hormones in order to convert fat stores and muscle tissue into energy and this is often used as as you know this the point is made that this is brilliant you know look at the body's ability to do that and you don't actually need sugar you don't need glycogen because your body can convert fat and muscle into into glycogen and it's i you know the point is that that's um that's a backup system it's not an ideal way to get energy you know releasing a lot of stress hormones to turn yourself into energy isn't ideal why wouldn't you just provide sufficient energy but this is a, a point that keeps being made particularly in the low carbon keto world but um using uh stored fat and muscle to convert into um glycogen which is called uh or gluconeogenesis is a backup plan it's not ideal it comes at a cost um and the cost of that is an elevation of stress and stress is going to impair your body's ability to convert fuel into energy. So stress is going to drive this fundamental problem that underpins all of these bigger problems that you're complaining about, that you're that have caused you to watch this video. Because you don't you don't you don't watch this video because you're like, well, I think my body has an impaired ability to convert fuel into energy. You watch this video because you got you know chronic back pain, whatever. So having to rely on this backup system of, well, I don't have the energy stored in my liver, so I'm just going to convert my own tissues um, to get that energy, that's a backup system and it requires the release of stress hormones and, it, and it's simply going to drive more and more stress, which is going to further impair your body's ability to convert um, fuel into energy. So the way you can kind of think about this, the analogy, and this is, I keep mentioning Jay Feldman, but he's, um, I, I can't recommend his content enough. He's got a great way of explaining this concept. Um, and the analogy he uses, the analogy he uses roughly is you have a house and your fire is burning and the fire is what's heating up the house. And you have wood that you put in the fire. So your fuel is your wood and you put it in and that's fine. Um, but then when you run out of wood, what do you do? Well, you start throwing in the furniture, you start tearing down the, you know, the banister. And yes, it's going to continue to fuel the fire and it's going to continue to create energy. But you're breaking down your house and you're ruining that beautiful house you built. Um, so it makes no sense. I think that's a really nice way of um, kind of making that point that yes, your body can um yes it can start to use its own 
stores of, uh, of energy when it runs out of its ideal source of energy, which is stored, you know, stored liver glycogen, which you can think of, as your, uh, think of as your battery pack. Yes, it's great that your body can do other things to get energy because you are so adaptable and that's brilliant, but it's not ideal and it's going to come at a cost. And you're, if you continuously rely on that, you're going to be breaking down your house. You're going to be breaking down your body and you're going to be creating um, other issues. And there's, you know, you can expand on the analogy of, yes, you're breaking yourself down, but then maybe you're throwing in a different source of fuel. Maybe you're throwing in plastic into the fire and that's going to help. That's going to fuel the fire, but it's going to release toxic gases. That's this other thing as we get into um, you know, the types of foods, the types of fuel, is it an appropriate fuel? Yes, you can use this other fuel, but what other knock-on effects does it have? So we have these two major issues, which are, <clears throat> do we have sufficient fuel going into the body? So do we have, like I said, if you've got a budget of a thousand euro to do everything, do you have at least a thousand euro going in to cover those costs? But if it costs more than that and you only have a thousand euro coming in, then what are you going to do? Uh, you're going to have issues. You're going to have to pick and choose and certain bodily functions are going to be impaired. And that is going to ripple out over time. If your liver function isn't great, that means that your liver is going to be unable to, um, to deal with uh, what's called endotoxin. And you might have elevated endotoxin because your digestion isn't working that well because you've got impaired energy. So your body, you know, you're going to be digesting food and maybe you're not digesting things well enough because you don't have the energy. So things ferment, feed bacteria, the bacteria produce endotoxin. Your body has to get rid of it. Uh, the liver tries to filter it, but it can't because it doesn't have enough energy. And so it can only deal with so much that it recirculates it in, into the blood and that's going to create an immune response. And so then your body's dealing with this immune response. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. So the point is, is that, like I said, you have this fundamental issue that underpins most of these health issues. And we need to address that because we can get, you know, you could then say, well, I'll do a liver cleanse and then I'll do, um, I'll take some aloe vera juice and then I'll take an anti-inflammatory, but you're not, you're not addressing the issue. You're looking at these separate symptoms and you're, you know, you, you kind of put this, you know, if, if you're dealing with these three kind of distinct issues, the liver issue, the digestive issue, the autoimmune response to um, endotoxin, you're kind of thinking that you've got three separate issues. And it's a point I made, I had an Instagram post a while back and uh, the point was that you're, you're focused on the back pain and you're you're ignoring these other things that you might be dealing with. Maybe you've got poor sleep, maybe you've got anxiety, maybe you've got these other things and you'll tend to be like, well, that's, that's a different thing. You know, that's, that's anxiety. You know, what's that got to do with back pain? But well, what it's got to do with back pain is that the anxiety is happening in your body and the back pain is happening in your body and your body functions <laughs> with all the same, you know, the cells make up your body and how the cells function. And I don't know, hopefully, hopefully this is beginning to, to kind of make sense, but there's always this ripple effect. You can't have these things happen in isolation. 
because the only separation occurs in the body through, you know, the separation that we create, you know, when you go in, like someone decided that this was the heart. And I'm not saying it's not the heart, but, you know, they said, well, this is the heart and this is its own thing. And the things around it, well, they're their own thing. And so when we create this, um, these definitions, uh, a knock-on effect is that it, it um, gives this impression that they are entirely separate. And then what you do have in, in medicine is the way you reach the pinnacle in medicine. What you want to do is you always want to specialize further and further. So you want to know more and more about less and less. So you want to be, um, you know, the way you become the best doctor possible arguably, you know, people will say different things, but the way the system is set up is that if you're thinking about your career and you're medically trained, the best way to have a good career, so to have good money, good hours, uh, good, you know, you know, less oversight, more freedom is to become a specialist in something. You know, you don't want to be the person who's doing back-to-back, -back, you know, night shifts at the ER. I mean, maybe you do, but like in the sense of if you want good money, freedom, uh, good work-life balance and that kind of thing, you generally want to go further and further towards specialization. So there is that natural incentive um, to, to reduce things to, well, this is the digestive system and I'm an expert in that. Well, I'm actually an expert in this portion of the digestive system because and you can pay me more money because I know a little bit more about this smaller portion of of the body and again you know i'm always going to be a bit cynical about this because of my experiences but that's that's sort of the reality that's that's the system that, that we're dealing with and it has consequences with with regards to how we how we think about our health and how we um diagnose ourselves you know when you're dealing with your back pain like i said you'll be like well that's anxiety that's a separate thing and yeah i've got a bad diet but that's nothing to do with that's nothing to do with my back pain because how could diet infect, uh, you know, affect my back, you know, apart from the fact that your body's constantly turning over and rebuilding its physical structure. And in order to do that, it requires the physical building blocks from the food you eat. And maybe if you eat crap food, then maybe <laughs> you see where I'm going. Maybe um, your back is in bits because you're eating crap food. Maybe, maybe not. But that's the point. Maybe. Um, so that's sort of it. Let me check my notes. Yeah, I think that's everything I want to cover. I will kind of, you know, address the, well, what do you, what do you do now? What do I do now? And maybe I should put in a bit, uh, further, some further detail into your bodies. Um, so we had those two steps we had, you have the fuel that goes into the body but then we have that in-between bit where the fuel is converted to energy. And in this, I use an illustration that you can see if you're watching this. Um, I'd encourage, well, it's not that important that you watch this. Hopefully I'm describing this well enough with my words. But you have this kind of interim section, which I've titled digestion. It's more than digestion, but for the sake of simplicity, we'll say digestion, which is the breaking down of the fuel and converted into energy. So those are those two steps. So you might be working, you might be eating perfectly, you might be nourishing your body in the perfect way, 
but it's the digestive phase of that converting phase, because like I said, it's more than just the digestive system that does this, but that converting phase um, might be impaired. So you might be putting in perfect fuel sources, but they're not being converted into, um, into energy. So I'm gonna, t I've sort of talked about this in the past and basically what, what disrupts your ability to convert uh, fuel into energy is stress. So when you're stressed, any kind of stress will, um, will impair that ability to convert fuel into energy. Uh, so that means everything you experienced in your lifetime is, is creating some level of stress. Um, maybe it's stress that you can manage, but we all have some degree of stress that we can't manage and that impairs our body's ability to, to break down fuel and foods and convert it into energy. Um, and the other thing is that this can be the result of a lack of energy. So it takes energy to convert fuel into energy. So if you're constantly working off this deficit of energy, you're setting yourself up uh, for failure because you're constantly going to be lacking the energy that you need to convert the fuel into energy. And yeah, it sort of seems like this endless thing. And, and it really kind of drives home the point that all of this is continuously happening and your body's continuously working and all these things are connected and you need, you need energy to produce energy, you need energy to break down fuel and convert it to energy. And if you don't have enough energy, you're going to drive the problem because you don't have energy and so you're not able to even if you're providing fuel you're not able to convert that fuel into energy so you end up with less energy um, and you you worsen the problem so there's that and then there's the the simple kind of um the wear and tear aspect of it and that will come from more so the foods that you're eating and the reactions they create in your body so you can eat foods that are essentially damaging to your body. So we can kind of think of this interim phase of fuel being converted into energy, that middle phase. Um, that's, you know, the machinery of the body converts the fuel into energy. Now, if the machinery is damaged in some way, that's going to be less able to do that. So the same thing with a car. You can put the right fuel in and the car can look good. Maybe, I, I don't know how cars work, but you know, some part of the engine is damaged because of whatever, um, it's going to be less able to, you know, function. So the foods we eat can impair that ability to um, convert fuel into energy. I'll, I guess I'll talk briefly about that. Um, foods that are abrasive to the gut lining, things that are, you know, you can kind of think of sandpaper rubbing off the the lining of the gut it's going to create a reaction an irritation and your body doesn't like that um, it's also um, foods that can feed bad bacteria so bad bacteria are bad it's in the name and when they feed off uh, things that are fermenting in your gut that's going to create harmful byproducts uh, namely endotoxin which i talked about before and your body is going to want to get rid of that. Um, so you have, you're creating a problem in the digestive system. You're creating irritation. You're creating 
harmful byproducts by feeding bad bacteria. So ideally what would happen is that you would eat foods that are digested quickly and easily and that by the time they get to the bad bacteria, there isn't really anything uh, much for them to feed on. And also the whole sequence of running through the digestive system is quick and efficient so that there isn't really much time. But if your digestion is poor, because maybe you've got poor energy, because in order to digest food it takes energy. So in order to extract the fuel uh, to create energy, no, in order to extract energy from the fuel, we need energy. So digestion takes energy, but if you don't have energy, it's going to be slow and sluggish. And that's going to give more of an opportunity for bacteria to feed off the waste products that are in your digestive system. And that's going to create harmful byproducts that your liver is then going to have to detoxify and deal with. But since you're already impaired in energy, then maybe your liver isn't working that well. And so now it's not able to deal with these toxins as well as it should be. And the cascade of consequences goes on and on. So you want to, you want digestion to occur efficiently and quickly. So that means you eat a food, you get everything you need from it quickly, and it's gotten rid of in a healthy way, not in an explosive fast way but um, so you know you get what I mean and um, you want the food to come out the way it's supposed to come out and you want to have extracted everything that you needed from there so you can begin to look at things like uh, your digestion um, what's coming out the other end how it's coming out is there much effort are there large gaps between uh, when you're eating and when you're going to the bathroom how often are you going to the bathroom um, that's going to be dependent on how often you eat, but ideally, if you're eating frequently enough, you want several bowel movements in a day uh, because that's, that's your digestive system working well. Again, assuming that it's coming out effortlessly and, and, and uh, in the right form um, rather than explosively. But you want, um, when things are functioning properly, for the food to go in, you extract what you need, you feel good, you feel warm, you feel calm, and soon, soon enough, now it's not gonna be like an hour later, but um, you know, if, if you're eating five times in a day and you're going number two, four or five times in a day, that's, that wouldn't be uh, that bad. You know, that, that, that's within the realm of perfectly reasonable Again, when you consider all the other factors, you know, how it's coming out. <laughs> um, so I know a lot of people, there'd be um, sort of, not debate, but like uncertainty over, well, how much, how many bowel movements should you have in a day? And it depends on how often you eat, but, you know, three times, four times, at the very least one time. But if you're only going once and you're eating like three meals a day or more than that, you know, including snacks, and that's that's very little because you're eating at all these points, but it's only coming out at one point, um, which means that there is further opportunity for um, bacteria, bad bacteria, to be feeding off uh, things that, that are that are in your digestive system, 
and that's going to create a further further worsening of your body's ability to convert fuel into energy so the major things that um, impact that um, interim step that digestion step or that conversion of fuel into energy step so your body's machinery and its ability to convert fuel into energy the major things that impair that are just like physical irritation from the foods that you eat high fiber foods um, and foods that feed bacteria which are also tend to be high fiber foods and then um, foods that aren't stable at high temperatures so these will tend to be uh, vegetable oils a lot of cooking oils um, coconut, uh, coconut oil butter tallow beef uh, beef drippings tallow uh, these are very stable oils because they are solid at room temperature and they can handle heat uh, more liquid oils vegetable oils peanut oil safflower oil rapeseed oil rapeseed oil it's in the name it's in the name like you shouldn't be consuming that stuff it's very very bad for you it's very sensitive to heat and your body functions at about 37 degrees celsius which is i don't know what that is in fahrenheit because it's nonsense but it's 37 degrees ish celsius there's a range of like 36 and a half to 37 and a half but around that range which is warm enough you know it's a nice you know it's a nice summer holiday for you and your body it runs at that temperature and these oils are very sensitive to heat so when they go into your body they react and you get harmful byproducts so again it's this idea of if you've got your fire in your home running and you start throwing in the plastic chairs and yes it's going to fuel the fire but it's going to create harmful gases which are going to you know might suffocate you they might create damage in the house and ultimately you're not warming up your house you're not just warming up your house you're also damaging your house so with these kinds of oils and you'll find these oils in um convenience foods anything that's kind of made for you that's not um, you know like a pre-made sandwiches biscuits or cookies you'll call them in america um potato chips you call them in america <laughs> we call them crisps here freedom fries uh we also call those chips <laughs> um, you know all these things that are cooked in oils if you go to a, a takeout as you might say or a takeaway as I might say uh, fast food place they cook in these um, vegetable oils that are liquid and they're usually high in omega-3 and they'll boast about that because they think it's good but it's not good because it's highly reactive to your body's temperature and it creates harmful byproducts so these things and this is what i mean in terms of you might be doing all the right things because you're doing what you've been told but what you've been told might be wrong that's a big one um omega-3 not that good for you um and vegetable oils definitely not good for you um so these are the major culprits that are going to impair your body's ability to convert fuel into energy so what you can do you can start to eat foods that are easy to digest so things like ripe fruits root vegetables so root vegetables as opposed to vegetation because kale is vegetation and you're a masochist if you eat kale i'm only half joking but um these are, things aren't really edible you know your plants create fruit and you're supposed to eat the fruit 
and so that the plant can live so that that's that's the way the the plant survives <laughs> it gives you the fruit which it wants you to eat because you can then spread the seeds and it wants to preserve itself kale well kale doesn't produce fruit kale's just let's just forget about kale like let's get rid of that let's stop let's stop doing that <laughs> but um yeah it's important to to make the distinction between vegetables and vegetation uh, kale is more on that vegetation side of things what you want to eat are root vegetables and because they have they don't have the same defense mechanisms so if you eat something like kale raw kale it has defense mechanisms um i've forgotten that they're broadly called anti-nutrients and it's because kale can't run away from you you know a lion can run away from you kale can't but kale wants to live the same way the lion wants to live and why are, you, why are you killing the kale? Vegans, why are you killing kale? But, um, excuse me, the, um, the kale needs a defense mechanism because it can't run away. So what it does to protect itself, it, it secretes um, anti-nutrients and they, th their specific function is to prevent you from extracting energy from them. So it, it directly works against your body's ability to convert fuel into energy. So let's let's all agree now to never eat kale again. Now potatoes, on the other hand, root vegetables, things that grow underground, their defense mechanism is that they're underground. They don't need the same protection. Now they do need some protection, so they have their skin, and what you want to do then is you want to, you know, you can eat your potatoes, sweet potatoes, carrots, whatever else grows underground, and peel the skin so you get rid of that that defensive layer and you get all the good energy that's in it and you want to cook that really well because you want that sort of pre-broken down because if there are starches that are um that are hard to digest they are going to uh, stay in your digestive system longer and give your uh, bad bacteria an opportunity to feed on that which is going to create those harmful reactions which is going to be bad for you and add an extra burden onto your liver and damn it your liver is already struggling because you've got energy issues so <clears throat> things you want to eat ripe fruits don't eat the seeds uh, you can peel them as well because well not necessarily but you want to eat fruits that are ripe that are sweet so the, and it's all kind of intuitive like uh, plants will give you the signal for when the fruit is ripe and ready to be eaten because the plant wants you to eat the fruit because that's its way of spreading the seed which is how the plant propagates so the the tomato is green until it's ready the banana is green until it's ready and it's not about green but the point is we know that there is a distinction between a ripe fruit and an unripe fruit so you want to eat fruit that is ripe the other uh, giveaway of fruit being ripe is that it's sweet sweet is the energy because you need sugar you need energy sugar is pretty good for you it's a very benign healthy fuel if your body knows how to use it and the issue is that a lot of people's bodies uh, don't know how to convert fuel into energy efficiently so they can have problems with sugar but it's, the problem is with the sugar it's, it's your damn body and uh, not, not to blame you but just for the sake of telling the truth so we want to eat ripe fruits root vegetables that are well cooked peeled 
Um, raw carrots are good actually as well to as a natural antibiotic for your gut. So you, you might have endotoxins, this harmful byproduct of bad bacteria, and the raw carrot, preferably peeled in long strips, um, will help to kind of sweep that away and soak that up. And it's a very mild natural antibiotic that will help with that. Things like bamboo shoots are good as well for that, charcoal. Um, so yeah, carrots are great. A carrot a day is a, is a very simple thing you can do for your health. Next, you want to eat meats that will provide all of the amino acids that are easy to digest. Um, so preferably from ruminant animals, so animals that can digest um, that can digest grass, things like cows, uh, lamb, because yeah, it's just because of their anatomy, the way they, they consume food and convert that food properly. So cow has four stomachs. Not sure about uh, sheep and lamb, but you know they're more appropriate for us to eat uh, because they've got lower amounts of the polyunsaturated fats. Because, like I said, they've got this better ability to convert uh, the food they're eating into healthy things. Um, but you know, you can eat chicken, you can eat pork. Uh, it's just that uh, beef and lamb, bison, venison, and that are generally going to be a bit better. Other thing with meats is you want to make sure that you're eating <clears throat> sort of the whole animal. So we tend to think of meat as well steaks and chicken breasts, but there are other less desirable parts of the animal, the joints, the organs that offer uh, another part of, of the uh, spectrum that will balance some of the negatives that you get from purely muscle meat. So like the vegans are somewhat right you know, you got to listen to them. Let's see what they have to say. There are certain bad uh, elements to meat, but those elements are balanced out if you eat the whole animal. So if you're constantly just eating steaks or chicken breasts, you're getting a high elevation of certain amino acids or certain proteins that are in there um, and not enough of the others. And these ones are harmful, but if you get the other ones, if you get the full spectrum, they balance out and they negate the, the harmful ones. So things like uh, gelatin, bone broths so you can buy bones you can stew them for hours and it extracts the gelatin and the minerals and that's very good for you you can buy collagen or gelatin powder which is just the joints um that's very good for you to balance what you get from just the pure muscle meat eating liver eating heart kidneys i don't do that yet um i'm just on the liver and i don't like liver but it's very good for you a very broad range of nutrients and um, yeah so they're, they're the major things then things like dairy if you can uh, tolerate dairy um, cheeses good quality milk a lot of the um, issue with dairy is you can play around with the sources so you might feel like you don't do well with milk but maybe you need to try different milks try different brands make sure they're grass-fed try organic try a jersey cow try goat's milk Try whatever it is, try raw milk if you can, and um, just play around and then also play around with, with the dosage. Maybe you don't drink a full glass of it straight away, start with a small amount. Um, things the same with like yogurts, different types of yogurts, more creamy yogurts like Greek, uh, ones with more kind of acidic ones. Generally, you want to avoid the more acidic ones, but just play around with that. 
you always want to just track how you're doing um, you know take charge of how you're feeling and what you're putting into your body but these foods are going to be very easy to digest so what they're doing is they're very high in their high sources of energy that it's easy for your body to extract that energy good sources of fuel that your body can easily convert into energy uh, versus other foods things like kale it takes a lot of effort to digest kale kale is going to work against you to prevent you from digesting it and there's nothing in kale like there's no energy in kale or there's like next to no energy in kale and yes there are minerals but you can get those minerals from other sources that aren't fighting against you they're not trying to get you so roots um, well cooked peeled ripe fruits um, ruminant meats preferably well cooked the whole animal joints organs as well as muscle meats um, dairy if you can tolerate it good quality cheeses um, and they should kind of be the staples of your diet if we want to address this kind of um, this energy balance issue uh, which underpins pretty much all chronic health issues and that is the ability of your body to convert fuel into energy so that it can take care of itself because you're not getting better because your body has lost the ability to take care of itself so let's restore the, the body's ability to take care of itself by giving it the resources it needs giving it the healing it needs so that the machinery that converts fuel into energy can repair and heal um, and that some of that can just take time um, but yeah let's focus on that let's treat the problem at the root rather than doing peripheral surface level things like giving an anti-inflammatory or a natural anti-inflammatory um, you know it's um, it's not working which I presume is why you're watching this so there you go um, let me know what you think I've included lots of resources in the show notes primarily Jay Feldman's website his podcast I mean it's got tons of information on this so if you're um, if this is making sense with you and you're you're kind of ready to, to understand this more check out his the first like three episodes of his podcast episodes one two and three because he has an episode zero but episode one two and three and I think a lot of this is just about hearing it in different ways letting it sink in because what do you do now most of what I want you to get from this episode is just a slightly different understanding a lot of the practical stuff I've covered before and I'll cover in the, in the future in more detail right now I mostly want you to have <clears throat> um, just a kind of new new perception of this a new way of thinking about this a new way of viewing things so you can begin to act a bit differently and the actions you can take are slightly changing the diet, slightly changing the diet nothing too drastic because significant change can be a stress in, in and of itself but fruits roots ruminant meats um, organ meats included dairy if you can tolerate it uh, and avoid vegetable oils like the plague swap out your cooking oils if you're using vegetable oil sunflower oil um, rapeseed oil safflower canola whatever whatever it is that you're using get rid of it and uh, maybe you can do a good quality olive oil but i wouldn't really heat that up because it's not that stable at high temperatures so if you're frying things coconut oil butter beef dripping and um, those are the ones to go for 
much more stable and will not react poorly in the same way and have less of a burden on your body so that's a major thing and then avoiding convenience foods like a ready-made sandwich maybe make your own sandwich and avoid you know these things you know you can put butter you can put meat you can put cheese but avoid you know those oils and those those kinds of things so yeah anyway hope you enjoyed that and i'll see you in the next one have a good day